Happy Easter, everybody. Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 and 10 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think, The Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Pharaoh approached the Israelites, looking, looked up, and there were the Egyptians um, marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, welcome to our Easter service, uh, Easter services. Um, I am Pastor Chris. Good to have you joining us, whether it's in person or online, like I'm doing. My family is joining you online because we're in quarantine. We're in quarantine uh, this weekend of all weekends. How funny is that? Um, and it's actually quite interesting because uh, we're talking about this passage, the passage that my wife and daughter just read from, uh, described this scene where the Israelites are between the oncoming Egyptian army and the Red Sea. They're kind of stuck. And here's my family stuck in quarantine because my wife and I tested positive for COVID. Uh, it's just such an interesting uh, thing. It's very appropriate in, in, in a sense for us to be in quarantine. But we're watching online. We're watching the service. This was pre-recorded on Saturday. And so we're watching the services with you guys. We're able to see you. The cameras are going to be showing if you're paying attention or, or not. Um, but yeah, this scene that my wife and daughter just read from and that we're going to be looking at describes this Israelites between two lives in a sense. Their old life of slavery in Egypt and the new life that God is leading them into. And you and I, often feel like we are living stuck between these two lives our old life of of slavery to to sin and brokenness and then this new life that jesus has invited us into this new resurrection life uh, we're 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 called to this new life and we're celebrating that today and yet oftentimes we're like but the world still feels pretty broken i still feel pretty broken there's brokenness outside there's brokenness inside like, I, I, I still feel like I struggle with some things that I shouldn't be struggling with. I still got some addictions that make me wonder, like, Jesus, haven't you saved me from this? Haven't you given me this, this new life? Why do I still struggle with this? Anybody ever been there? Some of us, right, we're, we're, we know, we're celebrating that Jesus rose from the grave. And when we trust in him, we are going to be uh, risen from the grave as well. And yet we're surrounded by, by death and sickness and, and the curse of this world. And it grips us. It, it grips us with fear. And we see our bodies getting older and, and it bothers us. So we're like, I don't really feel like I'm free from death. Anybody? 
Yeah, we're like stuck in between. So what we're gonna do today, here's what we're gonna do. Here's my ultimate goal for today. Uh, my ultimate goal for today uh, is that we would have a greater confidence that we have not just been forgiven from our sins because of what Jesus has done, but that we have been invited into a powerful resurrection life, a resurrection life that actually starts now. It's not something that we have to wait to die to experience. It's something that starts now. And what we're going to do at the end of today, in fact, is we're going to be praying for some of you to be filled with the fullness of that resurrection life to such a degree that it breaks strongholds. Things that you've been struggling with for a while that you're like, man, am I going to deal with this for the rest of my life? We're going to pray for you. We've got a team ready to pray for you that those things are going to be broken because of the power of Jesus's resurrection life that is available to us. We're going to pray for you. You struggle with sickness. You're struggling with some disability. You're struggling with something where you're just like, hey, is this it? Am I just stuck in this? We're going to be praying for you. And we're going to expect that God is going to show up in some way with his resurrection life. That's the kind of stuff. Maybe it's just joy and peace. Maybe you just want an influx of joy and peace because you're you're always just like grumbling and complaining. You have a critical spirit and you're always feeling sorry for yourself. And you, you want to break. Like you know that this is not right and I want to be free from it, but you're like emotionally paralyzed. Do you ever feel like that? We can pray for you. Pray for this to break because of the power of Jesus' resurrection life that is available to us. But before we get to that, before we get to the end of service, we're going to lead up to that uh, by talking about the Israelites as they're leaving Egypt, as they're stuck between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, what God does for them uh, by leading them through the, the Red Sea. I mean, you guys have seen movies about it, the parting of the Red Sea. That's what we're looking at today. And if you're wondering, why are we looking at that today when we're celebrating Jesus' resurrection? Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The um, exodus out of Egypt, the crossing of the Red Sea, is the climax. It is the ultimate uh, act of God-saving power for the Israelites in the Old Testament. I mean, it's talked about all throughout the Old Testament. But it's also the foreshadow of God's ultimate saving act for all of humanity in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so what, what I actually did before we started this Exodus series, this is week nine, and what I did was I planned this sermon for Easter Sunday. Like this section of Exodus was planned for Easter, and then I worked backwards in an outline in order to make sure that this was covered on Easter Sunday because it ties in so closely. You'll see what I, what I mean by that. Um, and then next week, by the way, we're going to take a break after today. We're going we're gonna to take a break from Exodus. We're going to start a new section of Exodus in May. Um, and then over the next few weeks, we've got some other special things going on. Next week, we're going to interview uh, Mandy Mercado about the lie of independence. So if you're a guest with us today, you want to come back next week for that. And then the following week, Tom Sargent's got a message uh, about, uh, it's called, What Are You Worth? Uh, and so it's got a good message on April 18th. Um, so that's the next few weeks. But today, today, here is the title for today. It's called Freedom Crossing into Resurrection Life. Freedom Crossing into Resurrection Life. Um, so I I'm going to point out, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to go through this passage. I'm going to point out four observations uh, about the Israelites' situation. And I'm going to draw parallels to Jesus' resurrection. And then I'm going to make two points for you and I about how Jesus' resurrection connects to our lives in the here and now. 
All right, four observations, two points. And I'm doing this, by the way, for my daughter's bedroom because this is the only place I could find where it's bright and it's quiet. Bright and quiet because I'm stuck in quarantine. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Jesus, speak to my, um, my church family and their friends, their guests, their in-laws, their parents, their, their brothers and sisters and friends, whoever that they've brought or whoever they've encouraged to tune in. Would you speak to them today, Lord, through your word, through this message, um, and then also just afterwards as we sing and worship you, uh, speak to us and fill us with that greater confidence that you didn't just forgive us of our sins through Jesus, but you uh, want us to cross over into a new life. You want us to walk in the fullness of life that you died and rose again for us to have. I pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Grab your Bibles. Open them up to Exodus chapter 14 um, and uh, try to follow along. Here's my first observation. Ready? Number one, God allowed the Israelites to feel stuck. That's it. God allowed the Israelites to feel stuck. That's the first observation. God uh, passed over them in the final plague through the blood of the lamb. Remember, that was last week. They put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and, and the final plague passed over them. They were not affected by that. Um, and then God led them out of Egypt, and, 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 and the Egyptians gave them a bunch of stuff as they were leaving. Um, but they were still not completely free. They were still not completely free. As they were heading out, look at what, look, look at what happened. Let's pick it up. Um, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hiharoth, between Migdol and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around on the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. God allowed them to get stuck. God allowed them to get to a point where they felt their inability to save themselves. They're like, what do we do? Now, why would God do such a thing? Why would God bring them to that kind of point where they're stuck and they see no way out? Have you ever been there, by the way? Have you ever been in a place, in a situation, maybe you're there right now, where you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't see a way out here. I don't see a solution. Is this not what we celebrated on Good Friday? Is this not what we celebrated on Good Friday? How those who believed Jesus to be the Messiah of the Jews, all of a sudden were like, what the heck is going on? Is he the Messiah or is he not? They watched him get crucified. Uh, they believed it was all over as a result of that. They, they had just celebrated the Passover with him. He had just instituted through the bread and the wine. He said, you know, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And they're like, Yes. And then he's arrested and he's beaten and he's scourged and he's crucified and he's dead. And now they're like, I, this is over. Because most of the Jews understanding at that time was that the Messiah would not die at a young age like that at the hands of their political oppressors. I mean, that, that just wouldn't happen. The whole point of being the Messiah is that he would lead them to conquer their political oppressors, not get beaten by them and certainly not be executed by them. And so the fact that he was executed would mean, well, he's not the Messiah after all. That's what it would mean. Christianity, by the way, wouldn't exist if Jesus only died and didn't come back from the dead. There's no logical reason. 
for people to say that Jesus is God in flesh if he stayed dead. There were other so-called messiahs around that time. They all died. Nobody has this movement founded on them. So on Good Friday, at that point when Jesus was dead, it was over in the disciples' minds. They're like, this, this is it. They were stuck. They were stuck between their loyalty to their friend and the reality of his death. Let's keep going. Second observation from this passage. The people gave into fear and unbelief. Verse 10. Let's jump over to verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, verse 11, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. So the Egyptians are coming after them, and they're freaking out. They're getting scared, and they go to Moses, and they're like, what the heck? Why did you lead, lead us out of here? It would have been better if we stayed in Egypt. Now, by the way, they weren't saying that when they were in Egypt, but that's their memory. That's how they remember it. That's, that's how they remember You ever have those moments where you're, like, you're in a difficult situation, and your, your memory gets filtered? Right? That's what was going on with these guys. They're like, we didn't want to come out here in the first place. You dragged us out here. We don't want to be free. We like being slaves. Like that's how they're remembering it. I was better to stay like that. That they're grumbling, they're complaining, they're afraid. Um, they didn't realize that God's goal in this situation was not to get them through it in an easy, comfortable way. God's goal was to bring glory to himself, glory to himself to the nations by saving them in a very dramatic way. They didn't realize that. Um, but they did have reason to believe that God would be up to something because they had seen God do some miraculous stuff already. Remember, they, they saw God do these 10 plagues in Egypt. So they had reason to believe that, all right, God's going to make a way. There's got to be a way out of this that we don't see, but God's got a plan. But their default setting our default setting, you and I, we're humans, our default setting is to assume that because we can't see the way out of something, then ugh, we're done for. Like there's, there's just no way out. If, you know, our default setting means if, if, if there's no way out that I can see, then I'm screwed. I, I, then that's it. But in God's kingdom, in God's economy, no way out means there's an opportunity here for God. There's an opportunity here for God. So that's what happened when Jesus was crucified, was it not? Right? The disciples, they scattered. They freaked out. They were scared. Peter denied knowing Jesus, even though they had reason to believe God was up to something here. Because Jesus had told them numerous times, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And what happens? Jesus dies, and they scatter, and they, Peter's denying Jesus, and they're hiding away. And like their default setting was just like you and I. I don't see how God can turn this into good. Let's keep going. Number three, the Israelites were told to be still and to watch God's saving power. Look at verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You need only to be still. Stop freaking out. 
He's saying, stop, stop freaking out. God is up to something. Just like God was up to something on that Good Friday that Jesus died. This was something that he had planned before the beginning of time. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth, the Bible said. This was God's plan all along to save humanity. This wasn't, uh, God wasn't um, taken by surprise when Jesus was arrested. Jesus wasn't taken as a victim. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I give it willingly. I lay it down. And, 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 and likewise, uh, in this situation, um, God was up to something. And so Moses says to the people, be still and watch the Lord fight for you. You need to stop whining. You need to stop grumbling. You need to stop trying to come up with your own way to protect yourself. You need to stop looking back in regret and thinking, it was better that I stayed in Egypt. Stop. Shh. Quiet. Quiet your soul. Be still. Watch the Lord fight for you. Who needs to hear that today, by the way? Shh. Be still and watch the Lord fight for you. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with a struggle, with an issue, a sin issue that you have, shh, watch the Lord fight for you. But you need to be still. You need to be still. And then what happened with this Exodus story? Um, you've seen movies perhaps. Maybe you haven't. There's many new movies. But what happened was that Moses raises his staff and God parts the Red Sea miraculously. I mean, this is ridiculous. The Red Sea parts. The Israelites walk through it on dry ground. The Egyptians are like, yo, get them. They're, they're crossing. The Egyptians come into the Red Sea after them. But as the Israelites come out the other side, Moses raises his staff again. And the waters come crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning the army, crushing them. Bible teacher Tim Keller says, describes this as an act of decreation, decreation. Like in the beginning, in, in Genesis, it says that waters covered the, the earth and it was kind of chaotic. And then God started to form it and fashion it and bring order to it. Well, the plagues on Egypt were an act of decreation, disintegration, uh, bringing chaos down on Egypt because they were rebelling against and rejecting their creator, God, the true creator. And so God was bringing decreation down on the Egyptians. And in this moment in the Red Sea, it was the ultimate act of decreation, chaos coming pouring down on the Egyptians, right? First, God brings order to the Red Sea so the Israelites can cross over. And then while the Egyptians were trying to cross over, because they had rejected their creator, Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, he brought chaos, decreation down on them, destroying them. But in that same act, he led Israel into new creation. It was a form of new creation. Here's a new life for you on the other side of this sea. And we're going to, when we get into the next section of Exodus, we'll, we'll talk about what that, what that looks like. But this was a foreshadow of the ultimate act of recreation that God would do through his ultimate servant, Jesus Christ, his son, God, the son, 
right? That's the Lord fighting for us in the ultimate way. When we can't break free of our sins and we can't make up for our sins like we talked about last week. We can't earn our salvation. We can't contribute to our salvation. So what did God do? He fought for us. He came down. He stepped off his throne. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died in our place, absorbing the wrath of God for us. And then he went into the grave, right? Just like the Israelites went down into the Red Sea, Jesus went into the grave. And then what happened? He came out the other side, victorious. He came out the other side victorious with a new resurrected body. And he says to you and I, hey, I've got resurrection life for you. I've got new resurrection life that I've just purchased for you. All right, let's keep going. Number four, fourth observation. Although God did the saving work, the people had to walk forward by faith. Although God did the saving work, the people had to walk forward by faith. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. What happened was the people actually had to move forward. Like they had to step out by faith. God did, God parted the Red Sea. He did the work, but they had to go, can we trust this and move forward? And it was only because they went into it that God was able to do his miracle of saving them and crushing the Egyptians because the Egyptians followed them into the Red Sea. That makes sense? And likewise, Jesus parted the waters of the grave, right? He, he conquered death. He, he paid for sin. But he says to you and I, you've got to trust me and follow me and give your life to me. Like, we're not just given this resurrection life. We've got to say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you into this. I'm going to, um, we had a baptism last week, right? Baptism represents, I'm going to follow you into death, into the waters of baptism, right? Like the Red Sea. I'm dying to myself. I'm letting go of my own uh, um, perceived abilities to save myself because I can't save myself. And I'm following you into coming out of the waters of baptism, new resurrection life, right? See that? See the, the Exodus pattern in the New Testament in baptism? So now, now that I've shared those four observations from Exodus and how they foreshadow Jesus' resurrection, now let me end with two points for you and I. Two points for you and I, okay? About our resurrection life. Ready? Take notes here. Number one, when you feel stuck, don't freak out. God is up to something. When you feel stuck, don't freak out. God is up to something. Just like he led Israel to this point of being stuck between the Egyptians and the Red Sea. And just like he planned Good Friday, where the disciples are like, what's going on? Jesus lost. It doesn't make any sense. So he plans moments for you and I, I believe, sovereignly plans them, where we are led into moments where we're at the end of ourselves. We're at the end of our power. We're at the end of our resources. We're at the end of our own wisdom, our own strength. And we're like, I don't know what to do. 
And he does it for a reason, so that we can cry out to him, so that we can look to him, so that he can bring glory to himself by doing what we are unable to do, restoring situations that you and I can't fix, um, um, saving us from the issues that we can't break ourselves free from. Anybody have issues that you're just like, I just can't shake these? I'm, like, literally, raise your hand if you've got some issues that you can't shake. I'm watching, remember? I'm watching. We've got cameras on you. If you're watching in person, put your hand up. Anybody going to be willing to admit, yeah, I got some issues that, man, I wish I could break free from these. I haven't been able to. If you're watching online in our website, in our um, chat, put it in the chat room. Yeah, that's me. I do. If you want to share some of them, go ahead and share what they are. Maybe it's you just have some controlling tendencies that you're aware of, but you can't break free from it. Maybe you're a people pleaser and you know it. You know it. You're constantly afraid. Is somebody mad at me? Is somebody not like me? Why didn't I get invited to this? And you want to shake it off, but you can't. It grips your soul too often. Maybe you've got a bad temper. Maybe you've got to struggle with an addiction. Um, there's all kinds of things I can, I, I, I can list off. But if that's you, if you feel like, man, I've got some issues and I can't seem to break free from them. Well, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I believe God leads us to points where we have to face the fact that we are unable to free ourselves. We are unable to grow ourselves spiritually. I want, you, I want to read from Romans 7, where the Apostle Paul articulates how this feels. He says this in, in Romans 7, verse 18. He says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Anybody relate? I, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't do it. And I know what I'm not supposed to do, but I keep doing that. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. And then jumping down to verse 24, he just ends by saying, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from this life of weakness, this, my, 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 my weak flesh that I just keep doing what I don't want to do? Who's going to save me from this? I can't save myself is the point. I can't grow myself. I can't break free from these strongholds myself. I can't do it. I need saving. Somebody's got to save me. Somebody's got to break me free from the outside because I can't break myself free. On the inside, I don't have the strength. To do so. You ever been there? You ever been there? Uh, you know, you, 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 you wish you could forgive somebody and you can't. You're, you're, you're offended easily and you wish you, wish you weren't, but it just, you just can't seem to change. Well, look what Paul says next. After he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Then he says this in verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's like, no, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who does it. He breaks me free. He saves me. He didn't just die so that the penalty of my sins can be taken care of, but praise him for that, that I've been forgiven and I don't have to face the penalty for my sin. But he's also died and then risen to break, free, to break me free from the power of sin. Sin doesn't have a hold on me anymore. I, I just need to be still. Remember, be still, be quiet, and trust God's up to something. 
Don't freak out. Don't, don't give up. Don't think, well, where's God's power now? Why aren't I changing fast enough? Sometimes it's progressive. Sometimes it's gradual. But God is always up to something. If Jesus is alive, let me put it this way. <clears throat> if Jesus is alive, then he's always at work because he's a saving God. Jesus is a saving Savior. So he doesn't stop saving. Our, our salvation is not just about trusting in Jesus once, our sins are forgiven, and one day I'll go to heaven. He's always saving us. Look what Romans 8 says. Romans 8, at the end of Romans 8, verse 32, it says this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Interceding. He's, he's intervening. He's saving. He's rescuing. He's always at work on our behalf, breaking us free, growing us more and more, saving us, working difficult situations out, for our good. The situation that you're in right now, where you may feel stuck, Jesus is interceding for you right now. He's doing a work. He's saying, I'm going to use this for your good. I'm going to use this to mold you and to shape you and to conform you more and more into my image. So don't freak out. I'm up to something. That's point number one. Point number two. Our freedom is an act of God. We need only to be still. But we must walk through the sea as an act of faith. Right? Our freedom is an act of God, but we have to walk forward by faith. We have to walk forward by faith. Right? So first of all, we trust that Jesus paid it all. The resurrection life that we want, that we need, is not something that we earn or buy, or purchase through our good works, our religious deeds, our church going, none of that. You going to church today is great. doesn't earn you nothing in God's kingdom. Jesus paid it all. He made the way. He conquered the grave. He got in the ring with death. He was victorious. And he just says, you know, follow me. I purchased it for you. You don't have to earn it. Which means, here's the good news, it can't be taken away from you. Once you trust in him for it, it can't be taken away from you because you didn't earn it in the first place. Jesus said, once you're in my hand, no, nobody can snatch you out of my hands. Nobody can. But we've got to walk forward by faith. It's not a one-time thing where we trust in Jesus, we're saved for eternity, that's it. No, we've got to constantly walk forward by faith and embrace this resurrection life. I want to show you one more passage. This is from Romans 6. Or the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at Romans 6, 1 through 11, and then we'll wrap it up. The Apostle Paul says this, What then shall we say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He knows that that's what some people are thinking. They're like, wait a second, if Jesus forgives me, then I, when I sin, it just shows how gracious he is because he forgives me. That's how some people think. They're like, you know, am I to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Some people are like, yeah, I don't really have a choice. I'm stuck in sin. Until Jesus returns, I'm kind of stuck here. But look at what Paul says next. Verse 2. By no means. 
We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So he's like, don't you get the the impression that Paul's like, uh, you should expect a new life now? Don't you get that impression here? You were buried with him in baptism and you raised to live a new life. Now, verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Okay, hear that. No longer be slaves to sin. Hear that? Just like the Israelites were no longer slaves to the Egyptians, even though the Egyptians were coming after them. And the Israelites were like, darn it, maybe it was better we just stayed with them. They weren't slaves to the Egyptians anymore. God was going to make a way. And you and I, Jesus has freed us. And we might have our old slave masters coming after us, trying to tempt us to think that we're still their slave, right? To think that we're still slaves to our old addictions, that we're still slaves to our old uh, bad tempers, that we're all, you know, whatever it is, that we're still slaves to our old mindsets. But look what Paul says, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. If you've trusted in Christ, the old you has died, and you've been set free from your old taskmasters, your old slave masters, right? They might continue to come after us, but you've been set free. Your resurrection life has started now, in other words. Now, yes, it will continue after you die to an extraordinarily greater degree, but it starts now. When you trust in Jesus, you get born again by his spirit, and you get his resurrection life in you now. And so your old slave masters no longer have a hold on you. Addiction, fear, anxiety, self-pity. You've been set free from those things. You haven't just been forgiven, but you've been set free. The love of money, right? Whatever it is, materialism, you've been set free. But you've got to walk that out by faith. You've got to walk that out by faith. Look what he says. I'm going to end with verses 8 through 11. If we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Since Jesus was raised, and since we trust in him, we too have been raised. We too have been given this new life. We're given the power to count ourselves dead to sin. That, to count yourself means like you reckon yourself dead. It means you, you implement it. You've been given power over it, but you need to implement it. You need to walk it out. You need to cross over that Red Sea. You, God has raised you, but you need to walk out that resurrection life. When those old slave masters come after you, you've got to say, no, you don't have a hold on me anymore. You drowned in the Red Sea. I put you to death in the Red Sea. When I went down into the waters of baptism, that symbolized that you are dead. I am no longer a slave to you anymore. You're gone. 
You don't have a hold on me anymore. I'm walking this out. And then we are to walk forward in that freedom. We're walk, to walk forward in that resurrection life. Whatever it is, whatever stronghold that we've been plagued with, whatever. And listen, we're all still struggling. I got mine, right? I got some OCD tendencies I still struggle with. I can have some, some, some um, uh, uh, anger problems sometimes. And I want to put those to death. I, 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 I can go into figure things out mode sometimes where I'm, I'm not trusting the Lord, where I'm like taking matters into my own hands and like, okay, I want to figure this out. And, and, and it's coming from a place of angst. I want to put that to death. I want, I want more peace to fill me. And guess what? That peace is available because of Jesus's resurrection life. He's invited us into it. If you've got, you know, if you're dealing with um, the brokenness on the outside, right? The, the, the sickness, disease, um, things like that. Jesus breaks in. His resurrection power is available to you. So what we're going to do right now <clears throat> is we're going to call the band up. We're going to call the prayer team down, and they're going to be available. And if you want a greater filling of God's spirit, a greater filling of his resurrection life, I want to encourage you to come down and be prayed over. Now, you don't have to come down in order. You can pray from your seat. You can just say, Lord, fill me with, with, your, with your resurrection power. But there's, there's also great power in asking someone in the church body to pray with you. And so there'll be people available in both services for you to come down and just to humbly say, I want greater joy. I want greater peace. Uh, I want this anxiety to be broken. I want this addiction to be broken. I want to be healed. I've got some physical chronic illnesses, and I believe Jesus is a healer, and his resurrection life is available now for me. Right? So you come down. Listen, some of you guys are like, well, what if my prayer doesn't get answered exactly the way we want? <clears throat> it might not. I'm asking you to have a, a spirit of expectancy where God's going to show up in some way. I shared this analogy with our pastoral team last week where when me and Jess were dating and we were um, about to get engaged, Jess knew that I was going to ask her to marry me. She knew I was going to propose, but she didn't know when and she didn't know how. But she wasn't worried about it. She was expectant. She was just like, all right, we'll see when this happens, how this happens, right? And I believe that's the posture we're to take with the Lord. He's got this resurrection life for us. Expect it. Expect him to break into your life in new ways, powerful ways. It may not happen exactly the way you want in exactly the right time you want it, but expect it. And when it, when it doesn't happen like that, just go, okay, well, maybe tomorrow. Something, something, he's got something for me tomorrow. Have a spirit of expectancy. That's the resurrection life he's invited us into. It's exciting. It's powerful. And it starts now. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that you are alive. And because you're alive, because you're alive, we can expect great things. We can expect new things every day. Greater degrees of freedom and joy and peace in our lives. If there's anybody here who's never trusted in you, I pray today is a day that they give their life to you. They surrender their life to you. They trust in you for their salvation and they receive your resurrection life and they decide to walk in it every day by faith and expectancy. I thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So good to see you guys and join with you guys. Let's worship God right now. Amen. Praise God. We have our prayer team up here. We have Joni. 
We have Steve and Jess. If there's something in your life, you totally want to surrender to the Lord and ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that resurrected life, come forward. Let us pray for you. And if you never trusted in Jesus, let us help you pray. Let us help you receive him as your Lord and Savior. So the altar is going to be open if you want to come down for prayer as we sing and let the Holy Spirit move. And I remember quickly when I was a young Christian, I read Romans 6, and I came to that verse where it says, Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Sin has no dominion over you. And I remember it just hitting me. I'm like, wow, God, I can be freed from this sinful thing I'm going through right now? I knew I was saved. I knew I had the Holy Spirit in me. I knew I had eternal life. But there was just something weighing me down, and that the Holy Spirit illuminated that verse to me and said, you can be free, Rigo. You can be free. Receive it by faith. So please come down. Let us pray for you, that the Holy Spirit will fill you and empower you to be free in any area of your, any area of your life. Amen? So let's stand together and worship, and we have people here available for prayer.